Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This episode of the Runner's World podcast is powered by New Balance Fuel Cell. If you're aiming for a faster half marathon, 10K, 5K or less, then good news, the New Balance Fuel Cell shoes could be for you. Crafted for speed, the new and improved Fuel Cell technology has a high rebound sole and increased responsiveness so that you can run that personal best whatever your level. For speed built faster, check out the New Balance Fuel Cell now at newbalance.co.uk. Hello and welcome to episode 33 of the Runners World podcast, the weekly podcast bringing you all the latest running news, views and interviews. I'm Rick Pearson, the Runners World section editor. I'm here with Ben Hobson, the digital editor. Ben, tell us what we've got coming up on this week's show. This week we are unlocking the doors of perception and discussing uh, running hallucinations. These are a phenomenon experienced mainly by ultra runners as as a result of deep sleep deprivation. Um, we have ultra runner Susie Chan and James Paul coming in to describe their own running hallucinations, along with some of the funniest ones they've heard of. Um, have you ever had any, Rick? I haven't. I, I did the North Downs Way 100, and all, I feel like I was on the verge of having a running hallucination. Right. But I had my best mate pacing me, yeah. running alongside me. And I think having something to chat to yeah. was probably a bit of a lifesaver, because I know a lot of people see some pretty remarkable weird scary things yeah definitely i've had a few ride riding the a long way on the bike through the night wow right not not super bad because it's like you know but just like flickers of like whoa, whoa, what's that what's that yeah oh it's nothing oh it's nothing it's fine I'm, you're not losing your mind it's an interesting one isn't it it's, it's, yeah. it's a very interesting um actually we would be delighted to hear from our listeners if anyone's experienced any mid-run hallucinations um what were they like was it a pleasant thing? Did you see something lovely or were you scared witless? Please email us, podcast at runnersworld.co.uk. Guest of the week, here in the studio, guest of the week, sometimes on the phone, could be an athlete, could be a physio, or a complete unknown. So our guests this week are ultra runners Susie Chan and James Paul. Um, having completed numerous ultras between them, including the Western States and the Spartathlon, Susie and James are no strangers to the running hallucination. Uh, we're delighted to be joined by them in the studio now. Susie and James, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you. Let's start with you, Susie. Okay. What was your what, what's been your experience of hallucinations? Tell us about it. Well, the thing is, when you when you sign up for sort of hundred miles, that sort of thing, people start talking about hallucinations and. Unless you are having one, yeah. you don't quite you don't quite think it's going to happen. So my very first hallucination was in my very first 100 mile. It was the middle of the night. I probably hadn't fueled properly by that point, and I was trying to stay awake. And 
I can all I can remember thinking was about if I fall over, I'm never going to be able to get up again. Right. <laughs> um, and then all of the uh, roots of the trees turned into snakes. So I was like trying to stand. That was I was kind of like you know doing this kind of comedy st- overstepping yeah. over all the tree roots. And then more recently, uh, in another hundred miler, um, I again I was quite tired, <laughs> probably hadn't eaten enough, and um, it was a very vast open space. And I saw um, picnic tables with lots of red wine on them. Oh, that's a nice. That was a nice one. That yeah. was a nice one. And then I was running with my husband at the time, and I said, "Oh, I'm starting to see things." He went, "Oh yeah, the trees have had faces for miles." <laughs> <laughs> I think we need a coffee. <laughs> Well, James, tell us, tell us uh, your experience of hallucinations. Yeah, I think it's the same. It's becoming a bit of like a regular occurrence now. You almost sign up you know, for an ultra and know you're going to get uh, a bonus of having some hallucinations at the same time. And yeah, they've, they've gone back for, for many, many years. Probably the, the most recent and most uh, crazy ones was when I did the uh, Gobi 400k. And uh, I spent, it took me like an hour and a quarter to do two kilometers because I was climbing over boats and pontoons and jetties <laughs> on this frozen lake. And I was absolutely petrified I was going to fall in the lake and die because, you know, you obviously re- you read all these things about how yeah. people fall in frozen lakes, you know, you can't get out. Yeah. So I was petrified, eventually got to the checkpoint with, hyper- with uh, really bad hypothermia. And, you know, and they made me sleep for seven or eight hours in this thing without letting me go out. And when I got up the next morning, I looked around and I was like 3,000 metres on Tibetan Plateau. And there'd never been a lake there in a million years. I mean, it, it, there was no water. It was a desert. But I was petrified that I had this. And it had been planted because they talked about this reed bed somewhere along the in the briefing. And somehow or other in the tiredness, right. I'd like mm. focused on this idea. There was a reed bed and it would, you know, I was really scared. But I would love to have seen someone to have filmed me climbing over these mm. invisible boats mm. and things. Crazy. So, I mean, that is genuinely quite scary, though. I mean, because we laugh about, like, oh, it's funny seeing faces. Or is it, it, does it switch between this is, I know I'm hallucinating, or actually I know that this is bad? Like, is there, do you still have a sense of consciousness, like, in terms yeah. of. Well, like, my experience, I mean, I've heard some um, quite harrowing stories, actually. So people have some quite. I mean, maybe it's quite telling of what your mind is. But some people I know have had some really quite distressing hallucinations. Um, but for me, I don't know about James, but for me, I was actually aware that it wasn't there. And it was like being awake in a dream, if that makes sense. So you, you know you're seeing it and it looks perfectly. Uh, real, yeah. but you know it's it's not there. But yours sounds like you believe it was there. So, oh yeah, hundred. That's probably the worst. Yeah. But I agree. They sort of fall into two categories. For me, anyway, in two categories. If you can categorise hallucinations, <laughs> we are. Um, we have now. We're about to. Um, the first one is those things that you just see. Like I always see. Um, it's funny you mentioned your husband seeing. Uh, like faces, faces and things. I often faces. see like little imps and gnomes and mm. things and it's the light, when, especially when you have a head torch at night sort of reflecting off of bushes and trees yeah, yeah. and you, so they sort of create these sort of faces and things there and you, mm. you sort of you know that these aren't really the imps and gnomes and stuff and goblins, they're not really real, right? So you could just carry on and you're like, oh yeah, another one and you just carry on but then, yeah, on the, on, I think it was because of the extreme, I hadn't slept in you know, three days or something, it was the extreme level of yeah. tiredness where you literally start to hallucinate things in a, in a different way and I haven't had a lot of that it's more been in the former category than the, than the latter have you ever hallucinated in the day because I had a, I was asking people about this and the mind have only ever been at night when I've been tired and I think you're right it's sort of the trick of the light but oh no in, in Gobi I, I was fortunate to run with a friend and an awesome photographer James Carnegie and he ran he did 40k with me in the Gobi desert and I was pointing at these 
rocks and things. And I was like, that looks a lot like you know, a train. Can you see all of the carriages? And he was just looking at me going, what are you talking about? <laughs> What's happening, James? Yeah, and he, he's actually got some video of me just talking absolute garbage to him in in the uh, in the desert. So you're not, it, you're not sure it wasn't like one of those occasions you're lying on a on a hill somewhere looking at the clouds and you're imagining what they might look like. No, sure you were just doing that. It's, or no, it, it's, it's, it's there. there. It's right. there. Yeah. It's a little bit like that though. It's, it's exactly that sort of thing where your 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 brain and your eyes sort of play tricks on you about yeah. things. I knew it wasn't obviously a train, but I was like, those rocks have sort of formed into a high speed train. <laughs> I should get on. <laughs> seems, seems, would have been a good idea. Yeah. Do you think that? You both have become better at handling hallucinations. It's something you, you maybe expect now and you can kind of deal with it better. I mean, I know that's when I need to eat something or have some right. caffeine, basically. Yeah. Um, uh, I was actually, do you know what? I actually hallucinated crewing once. I mean, it was a hell of a race. It was two, it was two nights of no sleep. Okay. And I, and I, I was, this was, in, this was in Death Valley and I was driving the car and I was like, I need to stop. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so, yeah. <laughs> and I need, you need, to, for me, it's always like, okay, I need to drink, I need caffeine, I need to eat some food and I need to kind of, you know, uh, uh, kind of just sort, of sort myself out. It's normally, for me, it's, it's definitely a combination of tiredness mm. um, and, and not enough fuel okay um, so, right. so for me that works and that gets rid of it so there's nothing actually specific about running to this presumably if you were cycling for two days mm. marching for two days Actually, it's it's a kind of sleep deprivation thing rather I, than running. I think so. For, for for that particular one in the car when I was crewing, I mean, I had run I think about forty miles because I was running, okay. and then we were sort of taking it in turns. So I think I'd run about forty miles and not slept for two days, and I'd driven. I'd been behind the wheel of a car for about another nine hours. You no, know, the combination of all of those things. Yeah. So I think it is a lack of sleep. Yeah, maybe it's so. the like also the landscape. So runs tend to be across, as you say, like there's going to be objects which will manifest mm. into sort of different things if you're you're running through the woods obviously all the trees and everything will, will they're, they're odd shapes that can kind of allow the, the mind to yeah, be I wonder if anybody's hallucinated on a treadmill <laughs> there you go that would be answer that or question like 24 hour race yeah yeah you didn't have anything no not in the 24 hour actually no that's very interesting I didn't I think it's to do with mental stimulus though as well so if you think about a 24 hour race you run around a track you see someone yeah. every 400 metres whatever <laughs> yes. two minutes or whatever that's yeah. true but I think if you the, you know the more you do these ultras particularly when they go super long you end up spending a lot, of, you know, you've got to be comfortable with your own company because you yeah. spend a lot of time, you don't see That's people true. for 12, 14 hours. You spend a lot of time with yourself and I think that can be sort of good and bad in as much as if you have things on your mind and I, I have actively made made some decisions before doing some long races where I yeah. changed, I left a job because I wasn't happy in it because I thought if I go to the desert and spend, you know, all this time on my own, I'm going to be like... That's not going to be good for me. So sure. sometimes removing some stresses, because otherwise you spend the whole time like procrastinating on about something that you now are in the middle of nowhere and can't do anything about. But I don't think it's very healthy for your ability to get to the end yeah. or perhaps for your mental State well-being yeah, during that thing. And I think it's it's about that. You know, as much as it, the tiredness exacerbates the fact that you're on your own. Yes. And then you, you know, then your brain goes haywire trying to add some some sort of stimulus to what you're doing yeah. what at what stage in a race does i mean i presume it's different for different people but we're, we're talking we're talking long distance here aren't we we're talking kind of 70 80 miles it isn't something that kicks in i'm at not like sure park run is famed for like people are <laughs> well, yeah. try it. don't sleep for like three or four days and then, then do, do park, park run, run yeah and then see yeah and see right. if you get hallucinations yeah. but with you Susie, when say say let's Night go back to the snakes time. oh yeah how far into a race was that? Like? That was probably, um, it's it definitely over 70, 75 miles, I'd say. Right. And then the other one, actually, was about the same, about the same. You know, you're sort of in the witch, that's the sort of the witching hour of a 100 miler, isn't it? Because you've still got mm. quite a long way to go. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but you've, you've run a long way. So, yeah, 
yeah, 75 and, miles. And at night on both occasions. But all, only ever at night and yeah. never hallucinated in the day. Yeah. Is, I think that's probably a good thing. I think that's probably yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, more understandable at night, I think. What about you, James? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I think I think the hun- I haven't had too many at hundred miles. I had the last time I had them was at North Downs Way. Hun- uh, congratulations, North congratulations, Downs Way. Thank you very much. I mean, I've hardly mentioned it at all in podcast, but I, yeah. I, I, I did run a hundred <laughs> miles recently. See anything weird? <laughs> I was really, really worried actually about seeing hallucinations because I don't think, yeah, I don't think I've got great tolerance for that kind of like seeing stuff, and it really freaked me out actually. So I was, um, I was very aware of the possibility that could happen. And I think I saw minor things like, you know, like a light in a window I thought was maybe like a camp, someone camping or something. But, <laughs> That's but, nice. but, when you say it out loud, it does sound... Yeah, <laughs> but it's, it's not... I didn't see, you know, um, you know, an imaginary lawnmower that I had to run through or something, oh, right. which is one that you, that you mentioned in the article. Um, so, no, I didn't, but I was... Uh, but yeah, I, I would have... Um, I didn't want to DNF through hallucination. I, mean, no, I, don't think, I don't think anybody's DNF through hallucinating. I don't know. I mean, it's not really... It's, so I was asking people about hallucinating and, and I think everybody in, in had a sort of you know, unified voice in that it wasn't... Um, it's just part of it and it's not something that they would stop a race for or, yeah. or you're, you're aware that it's happening so it wouldn't... You know, not yeah, okay. frightening in that it's sense. It's not distressing in that way. But you... But you... I, I was closer to, DNA, hy- closer to DNA. Were you there. suffering hypothermia before, or it, was it? It exacerbated a problem, and I think the challenge with uh, hallucination is that if you get to a point where you make poor decisions, oh yeah, yeah. and that's and that's what it affects your decision making function, and it affected my decision making function because I should have just gone in a straight line. Instead, I stepped all over the place. Yeah, and <laughs> should I, should and I give so, all my gels to this imp? <laughs> and it, so I meant I was out in minus fifteen for yeah. like an hour longer than I should have been, yeah, and so by the time and I was moving so bloody slowly that I then ended up being hypothermic. And and yeah, and, all, and they yeah. they were talking about like you know evacuating me from the course, yeah. okay. because it, it, but so I think it's not it's it it's it, you know it's one of those yeah. factors that potentially can cause you a lot of a lot of problems. And mm. I mean, I guess you know I've had races where I've literally not hallucinated, but got so tired I've just laid down and and it's kind of it's becoming a bit of a thing. <laughs> I have to be careful that that sleeping on race courses is now. I mean, when I did Spartathlon, Chris Mills, who was out there crewing, who many many of the listeners will probably know. Uh, he was like, well, didn't I just? Didn't you just run past me a while ago? And I'd be like, oh yeah, I just had like another twenty minutes sleep at some rest point. And because I think that you know that t- trying to override the fact that when you're really tired, you make poor decisions, and that for me is is what is, is what my sort of limiter is that if I get super tired, I then make poor decisions. Right. So if I cannot, if I can sleep and get fifteen minutes, then maybe my decision making is better, and then I get to the end quicker. So sleeping, you think, did it sort of starve off the hallucinations? A, a little. Well, after in in Gobi, once I had seven hours sleep, I had no hallucinations and didn't sleep then till the, really till the end. Yeah, right. So, but once I'd had that, and I, so if I did it again, I think I would have a strat- different strategy, which was instead of going as long as you can before yeah. you sleep and getting into this horrible state, try and sleep. And yeah. The fact the women's winner, um, she slept for like fifteen minutes every like four hours wow. and just sort of. And topped it yeah, up. and topped it up, and didn't seem to have. And she, when she finished, she looked like, you know, looked amazing. And I looked like I was. I've seen the pictures. Up, yeah, I've seen the pictures of I you. Like a yeah, hobo. Yeah, <laughs> fair, fair play. Yeah. Um, obviously, you're both very much in the ultra world. You must have heard of other hallucinations. 
Susie, let's start with you. Any, any favourites that you've heard from people? Well, I have actually. Uh, so this was one of the first stories I heard which kind of piqued my interest, just purely because it made me laugh, actually. It's yeah. a friend of mine called Debbie Consani, um, a, a fantastic ultra runner. And uh, she ran a race called Grand Union Canal, which is from Birmingham to London, 145 miles along the um, along the canal, mm-hmm. so relatively flat. And she, um, towards the end of the race, she thought that there was a lady in a red cloak following her. I kept turning around and being like, she's, she's still there she's still behind me as she was running along and then after I think she said after a few miles she turned around and had a proper like now why are you following me and it was actually uh, one of those dog poo bins <laughs> which uh, was just sort of <laughs> following it's her belt, isn't it? I know it's amazing <laughs> and, pro- and frankly a little bit disappointing as well yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be something I'd really want a, yeah, a haunted canal sounds yeah, much better yeah, exactly yeah. just a dog, dog poo bin but you guys um you, you pace a lot of people as well at these mm. things so you kind of like you you find you find the people and uh, probably at their lowest or their, the, mm. when, they're, when they're at their most stretched so mm. you must have paced a few people who are in the throes of a mm. of a good freak out yes yes that's happened yes <laughs> yeah and and you, you can it helps if you sort of understand what they're going mm. you know they're going through yeah. and you have to give them maybe a bit of tough love because mm. a lot of the time they just want to sit down and mm. stop and you're like no no, no just keep yeah. keep moving keep mm. moving that's and, and and your point about sort of making irrational decisions they sort of start suggesting really random odd things which are just not really helpful to getting towards the finish line so you have to kind of sort of keep them in check and sort of corral them in the right direction yeah it's a bit of a balance between like being giving them a hug and then giving them a bit of a kick yeah yes it's like yes. carrot and stick and you use them in, like, in, in varying proportions depending on i think how well you know them as well yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna read one of the ones or some of the one of the ones that's in the article you wrote Susie, because it's a, i think it's brilliant um it's a guy who did the Thames Ring 250, which mm. isn't a race I was familiar with. But oh, t- it's a very underground one, that one. Yeah, yeah. you've got to well. yeah. be in the know to do that one. So it says, uh, and this is a guy called John Hunt, I believe. Yeah, John Hunt. Uh, it says, I was going into second night, so I was pretty wasted by then and was on a country road with trees either side. I was about 150 miles in. I remember thinking the trees looked really strange with weird bits hanging down. So I stopped and had a closer look. To my amazement, it looked like someone had strung up thousands of rotisserie chickens. As far as the eye could see. I was so confused by it, I took a closer look and went to grab one, as I was a bit hungry by then. Alas, it was just a leaf. Oh, no. <laughs> what? That's just oh, brilliant. No. There were so chickens. many. So there were so many. I, I, I put a sort of call out on social media for people who had, had sort of hallucinated, and there were just so many. But one which was actually also, I mean, actually not funny, um, was somebody who hallucinated that it was his job to take all the race signs in. So he was running along, <laughs> taking them all down yeah. as he was going. Oh, wow. Which was not bad. Was well, not good, not yeah. I hope he was not at the front. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, any point in the race, yeah, I mean, anywhere he was, unless yeah. he was at the back. It's bad news. Have you had any hallucinations? That, well, you think they're hallucinations, but they aren't. And I've had a couple of those, which oh, is like right. really, oh, wow. well, that really freaks you out. Because oh, yeah. you kind of you get to a point where you're you're hallucinating and you're comfortable with it, it you know, reasonably <laughs> with you hallucinating. I did um, this 265k race in Gran Canaria, as they call it, 360, because it's a run around the islands. And I was, and I'd been hallucinating quite a lot. And I, a couple of times, I had to stop and sit down and work out which way was north and south because I didn't have any route marks. And I just seemed like I was going up and down the same road because I was. Because I couldn't work out which was the right way. <laughs> right. It was really confusing. But and then I was running down the street and I literally went, oh, and I jumped out of the way. And there was, there was, I thought I saw 
an Indian, uh, you know, an eight foot tall Indian po totem, <laughs> right. like on the side yeah. of the road. And I jumped and carried on. And then I went back and I was like, that's super weird. And it was actually a wooden <laughs> car totem for some random restaurant, but it was the middle of the night. And it was like a, yeah, it was like a, a native yeah. Indian restaurant in Gran like you have in Gran Canaria. And yeah, so a few of those things where you, you just, you know, you, you think you're losing name, but actually that's it's true. real. Yeah. And yeah, it's like if you head out early in the morning, it's not, I'm not talking about in a, like in a race, but if you're out, before most people are up and mm -hmm. you assume that you're on your own and you carry on and then you, you bypass and there's People do behave slightly differently in first thing in the morning. Mm. They, there's kind of they, there's an oddness to people's mm. like behaviour. Why are they up? Yeah, yes. why, why are they up? I've got they're a purpose. Home, I'm running. Why are they going yeah, yeah, exactly. And you sort of stumble across like yeah, and like a sort of random man staring at a tree, and you're like, whoa, there's a there's a dude staring. At a tree. <laughs> Am I seeing that? That is happening. Yeah, right. happening. Yeah, yeah, that's happening right now. Yeah. So you know, hundred miles in, and you saw that, you definitely think that was a definitely yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's mad, isn't it? It's, it's, this is sort of the language that people use to describe hallucinations on class a drugs isn't it and actually lots of things you see are, are, you know are kind of similar kind of things aren't these sort of goblins yeah. trees turning into like faces. ents faces you often say run into drug but actually it's, there's maybe more to it than uh than that this it, it, it feels like kind of like a very psychedelic sort of sub culture of running you're very overstimulated and tired i think it's probably yeah. that sort of combination yeah that's yeah. remarkable yeah Susie, what have you got planned next, running-wise or hallucination-wise? So, hopefully no hallucinations. I've got an ultra uh, this Saturday, actually. Oh, this wow. Saturday, yes, um, in Flagstaff, running towards the Grand Canyon. Oh, so, nice. I am quite it's excited insane. about that. It's yeah. only, I'm, only doing the, uh, I'm only doing the short one because my friend's running the 100 miler, so I'm going to run the first half, get in the car, and then crew her. So right. I might hallucinate. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> She's picked a really terrible crewing buddy. That's what I'm going to say. I'm going to be knackered. Like a tired crew buddy. <laughs> yes, I'm yeah. going to be very tired. I love it when people talk about doing the short one and they actually talk about doing 50, 50 miles. miles. Well, no, yeah. Actually, no, it's 55k, actually. It's 55k okay. just to... Yeah. I might start um, defining stuff by kind of pre- or post-hallucination distance. Oh, that's just, oh, that's like a sub-hallucination yeah. distance. <laughs> not, not too impressed. No. Yeah. 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 How about you, James? What's coming up? Uh, possibly a, a trip out to Amman for UTMB. Um Amman by UTMB, which is the UTMB is the big French race. If the people don't know about it, it's 170 kilometers, but there's a load of other races that go, yeah. and they've sort of sold that brand to other other places yeah. around the world. And there's one now in China and South America and uh, the Pyrenees next year. And so there's a there's a second edition of the Oman race this year. So hopefully that, and then next year, the, I'm calling it the hardest race that no one's ever heard of, which is uh, the last annual Vol State. Uh, ro road race. Okay, I, I can vouch that that is, it's ridiculous. It's so underground and it's incredibly yeah. tough and um, they have something called the Bench of Despair. Oh, oh wow. wow. Yeah, which is, if you get there then you, you, you're doing well. <laughs> this is definitely postgraduate hallucinations. It's, it's, I can very, see it. it's, got like... very, it's a very niche, uh, very special, it's a very difficult race. Is, so. it like, is, it, is it loops? or what, is No. It? It's, it's unmarked, unsupported, 314. It's, it's 10 pi distance. <laughs> wow. Great. Weirdly, and you, um, have, you have to sort of make. You, there's no support. You have to kind of like rely on going into shops and yeah. sleeping on the on the sort of you know in the gutter. D but basically. this is, this is <laughs> brilliant. This is, this is the brainchild of Laz, right? Yeah. Yeah. La Lazarus yeah. Lake, yeah. Right. Gary Cantrell, uh, in one of his you know, guises, and and it's been going for quite a long time, but no one seems to. Not many people have heard. It's have heard so of it. underground. <laughs> it's it's um, I think in America it's a little bit it's a bit more well known, but. Um, you, you, there can't be many UK people that have done that, James. No, there can't. I think I, 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 can I, I wasn't really the attraction. I think, I think as a, a journeyman experience, I think it'll be amazing yeah. Yeah. because you, you're gonna and 
and Tennessee is meant to be like the friendliest state in in the US. But and they have these things called road angels, who are people who set up camps and things outside their houses, and it's motorbike repair shops and oh, fire yeah. stations and things. And they put in cots and, and people wow. literally. So I think if, if, from a sort of experiential thing it'll be insane i don't think you know it's it's about really about winning it or there's no medal there's no i think you get a really random looking jacket at the end and and, a typical sort of barclay marathon style i think it's not really uh no no yeah you've got to um bring something that repels wild dogs that's all i'm gonna say oh right yeah, I heard that. That's, yeah, that's yeah. one of the challenges, I think, yeah. is, is wild dogs. And armadillos apparently have been mm. a problem. They get, a lot of them get run over. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this, it's it's, it's going to be weird. It's going to be loose on each central. This is gonna, this, if you needed stimulus, this sounds like the place to go for any sort of like extra powerful hallucinations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so yeah, get me back in uh, August. When yeah, it's, we'll, it's have done you, and, we'll have to uh, get you back on. And we'll, Definitely. We'll try and talk about that. Great. James and Susie, thanks so much for coming back on the Runners World podcast and talking about running hallucinations. Always a pleasure. What a trip. Thank you. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This is the Runner's World Podcast. Ben, you've got some exciting uh, science to share with us, are we uh, running hallucinations, haven't you? Well, yeah, I thought off the back of, of James and Susie telling us all about theirs, it would be good to uh, maybe a, a little explainer from the world of science. Uh, this comes courtesy of Dr. Chris Howe, who offers this explanation as to why hallucinations happen. And he says, I think that hallucinations during ultras can be put down to the extreme fatigue caused by the event itself, coupled with the sleep deprivation of running through one or even two nights. Uh, research from the UTMB found that strenuous exercise had a marked effect on cognitive performance, ranging from lengthening of response time to more serious symptoms such as hallucinations. Well, there you go. Many thanks to, to Dr. Chris How there. Um, so if any of our listeners have experienced running hallucinations, uh, send us an email and we'll read out some of the best next week at podcast at runnersworld.co.uk. Welcoming back Kerry McCarthy. It's been a while, Kerry. Afternoon, gents. Yeah, it's been uh, oh, maybe three weeks, something like that. Yeah. Have you been in the Southern Hemisphere? I have. How did you know? <laughs> <laughs> we work together, I knew yeah, all about it. we sit opposite each other. Uh, I have. I've been in uh, Patagonia. 
um, which is the region that is, is split between Chile and Argentina on the southern bit of South America. Uh, I've been running a half marathon there and doing all sorts of other things like glacier watching, insert your own gag here, um, puma spotting, things like that. Um, it was it was an astonishing experience. There will, bet, of course, yeah. be a write-up about it uh, in a future issue of Runners World. But um, yeah, it's just... The the number of places that you can go to these days to do to do events, it's you know, it's it's not just about the majors as wonderful as they are, it's not just about your local races, it's just there's there's pretty much nowhere on the planet where you can't do a race now. Apart from the wonderful worlds of international travel, what else has been happening? What else has been happening? Well, I've got two bits for you this week. The first is another week, um, uh, another example of Kenyan excellence in distance running. Um, Kenya's Jeffrey Kamwaror. Uh, smashed the men's half marathon world record. Um, 17 seconds he broke it by, which which may not sound like much, but I mean, this is normally a record where, you know, you take off a few seconds yeah. at a time if you're lucky. Yeah. Um, he did it at the Copenhagen Marathon at the weekend and his time was 58 minutes and one second. So agonizingly close to 57 something. Um, he has got pedigree. He won the 27 uh, New York Marathon uh, and came third last year at the same event. Um, if you want to put that in context, if 58 minutes and one second just, you know, doesn't quite sound impressive enough to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's an average pace of 4.25 a mile. And think about if for those of you who go down the track, your your one mile rep best, you've warmed up for 20 minutes. You've done all your lunges and stretches and ministry of silly walks and all that. And you're yeah. going for it. You probably still won't get anywhere near 4.25. Um, for those of you who do park run of a Saturday, that's an average pace of per 5K of 13.40 something. His first 5K I read was 13.15, I think. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's the first of four 5Ks was 13 minutes, 15 seconds. It's so, it's just absolutely astounding, isn't yeah. it? So the thing is, his, his, the first, when he crossed the line, his time was 57, like... yeah. 57 53 or 54 right. and then it was re- adjusted so i feel sorry for the guy because he, he did you know he, he thought yeah, maybe he'd done he a sub 58 <laughs> and then no but 58 yeah. one is amazing. i mean <laughs> you know one final bit of context context our own uh, beloved mo farah who has won the great north run um world's biggest half marathon yeah. a record six times in a row his pb is over a minute slower 5907 yeah. so it's, it's really quite some achievement. It's amazing yeah did you see um Ross Tucker, is is a very good kind of contrarian online. He said, this is an amazing breakthrough, but we should perhaps not frame it as a sort of physiological breakthrough. It's a breakthrough in in shoe technology, because, of course, he's wearing the Nike next percent. Um, And he he thinks, actually, you know, if you you took four percent off the previous record, you'd be looking at a time in the in the regions of that. So actually, this is like a shoe success as much as a human one well yeah. you know it's that it's i see his point and you know i've worn those shoes and they they definitely help you can't always say that about shoes when bands come out with all their highfalutin claims but these shoes definitely demonstrate molecular difference however he had to stay fit he had to do the training he had to turn up and perform on the day and overcome all the conditions um so yeah, you know I, it's, I i see his point but i'd prefer to just kind of i think allow him to revel in the glory yeah I, agreed and what a little extra bit is that he, Big Jeff, as I'm going to call him, uh, Big Jeff is one of um, Kipchoge's pacers for the right, yeah. Ineos 150, 159 challenge. Yeah. So that if that guy's on form like that, I mean... I mean, Kipchoge might have to say, just can you slow it down a little bit on that <laughs> yeah. first 5K, please? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Um, and the other thing I've got is just it's uh, a smallish thing, but it caught my eye. Uh, for those of you who want to watch the World Championships, which start later this month in Doha on the 27th of September, the IWF have uh, mixed things up a bit. They've come up with some new technology, um, chief amongst which will be there will be actually cameras in the blocks for the sprinters. So instead of, you know, the traditional shot you get kind of from the finish line with heads down and all that, you will, the cameras in the box, you'll be able to look backwards at them as the sprinters are kind of, you know, doing that kind of thousand yard stare and jiggling up and down on the spot. And then when they're in the blocks and they've got their head down, you'll see their kind of apparently their face upside down wow. looking wow. at you. And then when they explode out the blocks, obviously that will be yeah. um, a pretty cool angle. They have apparently lots of other angles elsewhere that, that we've not seen before. There will be uh, body cameras placed on the officials in the call room. Um, there will be drones. There will be wire cameras on the back straight. And in the, the tunnel, there's a warm-up track normally, for those of you who don't know, where before the athletes get announced and come out, they're running up and down. There will be a camera in there on a rail running alongside them so that you can see them doing their warm-up. Um, super slow-mo in the discus cage. Um, and some and some kind of LED stuff in the uh, in the pit where the jumping events are taking place. So yeah. I don't know about you. I kind of I quite enjoy watching the field stuff, but obviously not as much as the track. So for those in particular, anything that can make it Definitely. a bit more compelling is wonderful. This happened. There's a company called Velon, and they did it with cycling. And now pro teams have uh, GoPros mounted all over their bikes, and it just it's like a whole extra in race like mm -hmm. angle that they want to give, so that there's this sort of in peloton video yeah. access that everyone gets and i guess it's the you know it's the same thing you just want people to view things they want people to watch and be engaged so you know give it a few more years when cameras are tiny they'll all they'll all have their race numbers or whatever will have a built-in camera and everyone can watch pov 100 meter sprints <laughs> like this will be the way it goes yeah i think it's i think it's great i mean remember when super slow-mo came in for tennis do you remember that and you could yeah. see the kind of yeah. top spin that rafa was putting on his forehand but it really it really um added something so hopefully it'll have the same sort of effect i hope so i mean track and field let's face it we all know it, it needs something yeah and the iwf yeah. are working hard playing around with different concepts i think to appeal to a younger generation yeah. um technology is definitely one of the ways to go yeah great. that's great Kerry, thanks so much for coming on thanks. and, and uh, telling us about the news so that brings us to the end of this week's Run As Well podcast. I'd like to say a huge thanks to our guests, Susie Chan, James Paul and Kerry McCarthy, and to Number 8 Studios in Soho, where this was recorded. For more news, reviews, interviews and much, much more from the wider world of running, please head over to runnerswell.com slash UK. Please like and subscribe on iTunes. Please leave a comment. We like those. And thanks to Acast, our hosting partner. Thanks for listening and we will see you next week. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.